This is the Berkhamstead Spotlight, the podcast showcasing a remarkable community. Today we have a great episode as we're finding out all about the recent school trip to Singapore and Malaysia, both amazing places for pupils to visit. Claire Tan is our member of staff who was heavily involved in the planning of this trip. And while it's good to hear from her, it's great to hear from some of the pupils who enjoyed the trip. So we're also joined by Ben in year eight, Jemima in year nine, and Charles in year 10. And they're going to tell us about some of the things that happened on the trip, why it's so good for them as teenagers, and how it helps them so much given that they're learning Mandarin in school. So let's not waste any more time, but instead come with me into Berkhamstead as we speak to three pupils and Miss Claire Tan. So today we're joined by Jemima in year nine, Charles in year 10 and Ben in year eight. But also we have Claire Tan, uh, who's one of the members of staff at the school. Hello, Claire. How are you today? Hi, Simon. We are all very well here. Thank you. Great. Well, in a moment, we're going to be speaking to our three VIPs, uh, who are three of, I believe, a number of children, 32 children that went on this school trip, if 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 I'm right. Yes, we had 16 boys and 16 girls across year eight to 10. Okay, right. Now, I understand as well that you're the person who is uh, largely involved in organising this trip. So, I mean, you know, all, all, all of the people listening to this have some idea about what it's like to look after children. Looking after 32 children, I think, will fill a lot of us with horror. But t- tell us a little bit about what went into the planning for this. Why, why, why the Far East in the first place and what it was all like? Well, interestingly, this trip's really been about four years in the making because we actually had a Chinese department trip planned to go to China of April, in April 2020. So, of course, everybody knows what happened that year. So by January 2020, it was rife in China. So that was cancelled. We then looked at going to Taiwan as an alternative the following year as another Chinese-speaking country. And then the Ukraine war hit, Taiwan hit the headlines, and we thought that's not a very secure place to take a group of school children. So then we were considering where else in the world would have would give the kids a you know a fantastic opportunity to see Chinese culture and language, as well as you know a great trip and a great experience. And that's when we came up with this idea of going to Singapore and Malaysia because obviously they have a Chinese is one of the national languages of Singapore and Malaysia, and they have um, big Chinese communities there. But at the same time, we we had a fantastic itinerary of a lot of historical geographical different aspects of it and lots of fun thrown in as well so yes it was a long time in the making and I'm not going to lie until we were actually on the plane I wasn't completely certain that it would go ahead so actually getting on the plane with 32 kids was a relief for me wow I think people listening to this right now may well be just raising one eyebrow you saying going on a trip with 32 is a bit of a relief but but we've given that backstory that makes perfect sense and uh, clearly a trip that's been what's that what three years in the making four years really yeah yeah Yeah. that's that's incredible isn't it now which year groups went on this trip then so we offered it to years eight to ten so we we teach chinese here at berkhamsted from year seven up to sixth form and usually the trip would be offered to two year groups but with one year having missed out because of covid we offered it to the three and the uptake was you know it was really popular um so 32 was actually probably a bigger number than we'd kind of planned to go with but the kids were all fantastic. I'm sure you'll hear about it, but they were a credit to themselves and the school. And yeah, it was it was really good to travel with them all. And the very fact that we've got 
three different children here, one from year eight, one from year nine, one from, one from year 10. Of course, that's now representing all three years that went on this yep. trip. So um, tell me a little bit about why this is useful for the children before we speak to them, why it's useful for them, given the fact that you've got different year groups coming together on this. Well, in our school, because it's a diamond structure, we've got the girls on one side and the boys on another side. And they, they mix a lot in different extracurricular activities, but not that often with languages. So for me, it was really important that there was a trip that involved both sites, boys and girls. But also the um, there was a, a range of year groups because really languages are, you know, you're, the year you're in or the, the time you begin learning a language is really irrelevant, actually. And... Um, it was really great, I think, for the year eights to see the progression in the language in the year tens and also for the, I think, the year tens, I think, took on a bit more of a leadership role. Um, and actually all the year groups really came into their own and they got to know each other in a way I don't think they would have in any other circumstance. And I don't, I think a lot of them won't forget this trip and they'll have forged some friendships that they wouldn't otherwise have. So I think that was a really great outcome from the trip. Well, let's find out about exactly that right now. And you, you mentioned about year 10 having an opportunity for leadership roles. We've got Charles with us here. Charles, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good, thanks. Good. Well, thank you for being here. Um, so Miss Tan there was talking about year 10s having a leadership role uh, on this trip. First of all, let me just ask you, had you been anywhere like Malaysia or Singapore before? Uh, nothing quite like it, no. Okay, so tell, tell me, first of all, before you went out there, how were you feeling? How excited were you about the idea of going out there? Yeah, I was really excited. It's somewhere I haven't been before, different culture. So I was looking forward to seeing new things and new ways of life, I suppose. What kind of countries had you been to in the past, if, if any, outside the UK? Western, so America, and I think, yeah, pretty much America and Europe. So clearly something very different to what you'd done before. Um, so given what Miss Tan was just saying about year 10s having a leadership role, I mean, how did that work? What, what, what did that actually look like? Well, it was kind of just taking some pressure off the teachers, I suppose, making sure that the uh, young years were where they were meant to be. And I guess like get, making sure things were somewhat done on time because we had to make sure different things were done before we went to bed each night, make sure our passports were correct. It was uh, kind of just stuff like that, not anything too, too strict. Okay, all right, but still, nevertheless, a good opportunity for for demonstrating some of those leadership roles, and and also a good opportunity to develop those skills into something else. Now, let's jump back to Miss Tan. Uh, hello again, Claire. Now, sat next to you, and just for the sake of anyone listening to this, we're actually recording this in three different locations. Um, but sat next to Miss Tan, we've got uh, we've got Jemima. Jemima, you're in year nine, is that right? Yes. Okay, and had you been anywhere like this before? No, I hadn't been to Asia before, so I was really excited to go. What were some of the things you were excited about? Well, I love Chinese food, so I was excited for that. And I was really excited to like, just explore it. Okay, I mean, exploring is always good and clearly Chinese food is, is a great thing. And, and I imagine that in Malaysia and Singapore, there's going to be a lot of, well, a real abundance of Chinese food along with other cultures there as well. Um, so tell me about some of the things you got up to on this trip then, Jemima. In Singapore, we went to a few museums and Universal Studios. And in Malaysia, we went to Kuala Lumpur, which was really good. I liked going on the boat cruise. And then we went to the rainforest. The rainforest? What's that all about? We went to a rainforest in Kuala Lumpur, in Kuala Lumpur. but we also went to Taman Negara, which was a four-hour drive from Kuala Lumpur up yeah. north into Malaysia's National Park. 
Wow. So that's that's going properly into Malaysia then. That that's not dipping into a capital city and then kind of no. saying that you've done a country, but that's that's properly going deeper into it, isn't it? Yeah. And how did you travel from Singapore to Kuala Lumpur? What was was that a flight or a train journey or something else? We went by coach and we had to stop when we got to the border of Malaysia to go like by passport control and through like bag security. Was that a fairly long trip then, Jemima? Yeah, it was quite long. <laughs> what what do you remember to be some of the differences between Singapore as a country and Malaysia? Well, the food was very different and also I think like the vibe because when we were in Malaysia, we had to be a bit more careful, I guess. But obviously I don't know, we just had to like be more aware instead of being like dumb, I guess. We weren't <laughs> dumb, but you know, be more awake. Awake for for the people who were there, do you mean? Yeah, we just had to make sure we've got our belongings on us every time we leave somewhere. We got to double check. Miss Tan, just to come back to you on that, you know, clearly the children were in, were in safe hands there. You know, I don't want, don't want any parents thinking mm. that, that, that there was anything uh, dodgy there going on at all. But of course, I, I, I imagine that what Jemima is talking about there is that in Singapore, they're, they're quite strict, aren't they, with the, with, the, with the law there? I think the comparison was in the the safety in Singapore despite us being in a big city it's extremely safe and I suppose because we landed in Singapore first which is known as Asia for beginners I think it was a really good introduction to them um, in terms of being kind of eased into Southeast Asia and I suppose once we crossed the border into Malaysia suddenly we were in Southeast Asia proper much busier much more traffic much louder so it was a case of just have your wits about you. It's a busy city, busy, um, you know, a, a lot, you know, motorbikes and things like that. Not that we were walking past them exactly. Don't want to give anybody the wrong idea. But I think there was an overwhelming sense of safety in Singapore, more so than even than in, in England. So that was a, a big difference. Singapore is very westernized. So even in the way that um, they could dress, you could be a bit more Western. And in, in Malaysia, they were very respectful of the culture and covered up. You wore longer things like that, uh, covered up their shoulders and things like that. So there was more of a feeling of it being Southeast Asia. I suppose Singapore still felt very westernized, didn't it? Yeah. 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 Well, one of the one of the slightly famous uh, laws in Singapore, if I remember rightly, is that you can be arrested for spitting out chewing gum, which clearly is not a nice thing to do in any country. But interesting, of course, that that it's um, that they are so strict out there that, that you can get arrested for that. Uh, now let's just jump back to the boys. Uh, ben, you're in year eight, so so you're 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 one of the youngest that went out there. Is that right? Uh, yes. Okay, right. So so tell us what you were looking forward to on this trip. I was looking forward to seeing different cultures, and it's my first big trip I've ever done. So it's quite um, interesting and quite exciting going so far away from home for ten days. I was looking forward to, well, seeing Singapore, Malaysia and all those different places that are completely different to where we live here. Oh, it's great to get this different exposure into lives that are very, very different to our own. Um, and being in year eight, were, were, were there any of your friends that went? So there was four boys in year eight and 11 girls. So quite a big difference between the boys and girls ratio. OK, right. And I imagine that everyone was looking forward to it and uh, oh, yeah. probably a good level of excitement as well on the plane going out there. Yeah, there really was. 
Mm-hmm. And then when you got out there at all, I mean, I don't know how many members of staff there were with you all, but uh, maybe maybe I'll ask Miss Tan that in a moment. But, you know, was there any element of missing home at all and thinking, oh, OK, this is nice out here, but I'm kind of missing missing my own bed or anything like that? Well, it was very different to where we live. So as Jerome said, in Malaysia, it's not as safe. So I, it would have been safer at home, but it was still interesting to see how other places are. So sometimes I missed home, but most of the time I was still really excited to be there. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. That really does. Claire, just to jump back to you for a moment again. Uh, so clearly learning Mandarin is, is a good thing to do. Uh, tell me a little bit about learning Mandarin at school and then actually putting that into practice by being immersed in the culture out there. Well, something I notice in year seven when the the kids come in and have chosen Mandarin is that to even choose Mandarin in the first place is already really adventurous. So they get they choose their subjects before their languages before they start school so quite often the group that we've got is a really adventurous group they're willing to give things a go and put themselves out there and then obviously we're at another level that those that were on the trip and i made it very clear at the beginning there will be strange food that you've never heard you know heard of before there it will be very hot there will be different things that you've never seen before and you've really got to kind of be willing to try everything and um that's one thing i think that they were all really willing to give a go and I think Jemima and Ben and Charles, I mean, I've got memories of you, Ben and Jemima in restaurants. Whenever there was something that needed to be asked in Chinese, I mean, Jemima always there p- putting a hand up, going up, speaking to somebody in Chinese, really just tr- trying it. Because I think it can, people can kind of fall into this idea that languages are just in a classroom and they don't really relate it to real life outside of the room. It's just a school subject. So I think by being on the trip and realizing that it is part of, daily life and that they could actually be part of that was was really great to see thank you for that claire uh jemima miss tan there was just telling us uh, all about that and, and you speaking chinese out there of course then uh, how did you find you know what was that experience like what was it like you know speaking a language out in the far east instead of speaking it in your classrooms well i think you had to make sure it was more precise so that like, if you go wrong they don't understand what you mean. <laughs> Whereas in a classroom, your teacher kind of understands what you're trying to say. And I just really liked speaking in another language and then felt it felt really cool like after I've asked for something. I love that. It felt cool. That's a good way of putting it, Jemima. Uh, Charles, let's jump over to you for a second. Uh, so how long have you been learning to speak Mandarin for? Uh, since you're seven, so about four years now. Okay. And going back that far, do you remember some of the conversations I imagine that you may have had with with parents or with other people uh, about why studying Mandarin is a good thing to do? I didn't. I think I did have a uh, conversation with my parents. I thought it would just be different to French or Spanish or something like that. I thought it would be interesting to do at least. And uh, I was obviously because I'm now doing it for GCSE. And do you speak any other languages there as well, Charles? I did Spanish up until last year. So I know some Spanish, but apart from that, not really. Is learning Mandarin completely different to learning Spanish? Yes, it is. I'd say the pace you learn is slower because obviously it's a bit harder. You don't have one word and then you can use it for different, a lot, lot, lots of different things like conjugations. You have to learn every individual character and make sure you know how, how many strokes it's got, where they are, where to use it. And then the pronunciations are different as well. So it's quite quite complex. And did you all get a chance to speak Mandarin when you were out there? Yes, we did. So there were some times we were 
uh, we were allowed to go off in like a when we went to Universal Studios. We had to go off, get we got ourselves lunch. We had to go around if we wanted if we wanted something or needed help. We'd have to speak in Mandarin, uh, and so yeah, we did get quite a decent amount of uh, actual speaking the language done while we were out there. Do you think it's quite tricky for? I'm 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 going to choose my words carefully here. Do you think it's quite tricky for people in the UK to learn to speak different languages, given the fact that many other countries tend to speak English, and therefore it's very easy for us to not learn a language that makes it sound like I'm being very lazy I, I don't mean it to sound like that at all but you know it's uh, well d- tell me your thoughts on that Charles yeah I, I certainly understand what you're saying and I think there is definitely kind of a a thing you think oh do I really need to I'm going to France do I need to learn French there'll be someone that speaks English but it's definitely good because not everyone's going to speak the language you need to be able to get around certain language barriers and make sure you know what you're doing you got to be able to know what you're ordering when it's food. And if you're going into a shop, you've got to know how much it costs or what, what it is actually. So I think it is definitely important to have at least a basic understanding of the language. No, I, th- I think you're absolutely right, Charles. In fact, I'm smiling when you're saying that because you talk about France. And for the sake of anyone listening, of course, we're recording this in completely different locations. I'm coming to you from Paris and, and I'm, in, I'm in my office out here. Claire, just tell me a little bit about about why you feel it's important for us to, because I'm presuming that you do feel it's important for us to learn different languages when we're based here in the UK. But tell me why you feel it's important. Well, I think that if you don't speak the language of someone else's language, there's only a certain level you can ever connect with them on. And um, I mean, I was inspired to learn Chinese by going to Hong Kong when I was 16. And obviously they speak Cantonese in Hong Kong, but I had this frustration that I couldn't speak Chinese and I thought why is everyone else trying to speak English I'm I'm in their country I should be speaking their language and it was honestly since then that I went off and was like I need to learn Chinese so I went to university to learn Chinese because back in those days they didn't have Chinese at school Um, so I say to these kids a lot you know you're lucky you get to even do it as a GCSE but I think I think Jemima hit the nail on the head saying you feel cool because the reactions of the people was what made you feel cool when they were like what why are these white kids why are these western kids speaking in Chinese to me and the fact that often the looks we got because I think it was rare for them to even have that many trips coming from England to those places right to see that many um, uh, Westerners coming over there on a school trip and then communicating and making an effort to communicate with them and understand their culture was really nice for the people there so it was how we made them feel that made us feel good wasn't it and I think that's what you get out of speaking somebody else's language. So tell me about your your own education. I mean, I mean, the fact that you studied that when you were younger, where did all of that come from? I mean, I feel like I'm a bit of an anomaly and I'm not sure I'd encourage anyone to do my route. I, my A-levels were French, German and Italian. I didn't want to do anything else. Um, I only wanted to learn languages because I only wanted to travel. I only wanted to live overseas. I only wanted to be able to communicate with other people. And I had this frustration, like you just said, that in England... There's an assumption that everyone else will just speak English for us. And I had this frustration, like, why should they? Why can't we make the effort to communicate with them? And then as I did kind of get deeper into A-levels, um, and then I, in my A-levels kind of went overseas and did a week here, a week there. And that's when I started to realise, actually, it's the language that helps you understand the culture and understand the people. Um, and you can have a trip to a country and have a perfectly nice time without the language, but you can only really get you know to a certain level of understanding if you don't have some of the at least some even a little bit they appreciate the effort um so then I went to study Chinese you know at at this time during my A-levels I was already kind of inspired to learn Chinese and I went to study Chinese at Leeds I then was frustrated that that wasn't enough and I went to Taiwan after that and um, did more language study and I did a master's in Taiwan and then I 
basically ended up staying in Asia and I spent 11 years in Asia before I came back to England five years ago when I started teaching here. So I ended up living in, um, I lived in Taiwan for four years, Singapore for two years, Cambodia for six years, and I also was in and out of Malaysia. So this was a little trip down memory lane for me, I'm not going to lie, going back to Singapore and Malaysia and um, being there as a kind of 20-something-year-old on my own was one thing, but then to come back with you know, 30-odd kids was really, really a nice experience for me. And it was great to show them that as well. But yeah, that's my <laughs> summary of my little language journey. Well, it sounds to me like you had a lovely time, but it also sounds like all 32 of the children had a, a very memorable time out there. And I'm sure it's an event that they will remember for the rest of their lives, literally. Yeah. Uh, and I'm keeping an eye on time. We, we need to bring this episode to a close. Um, but first of all, Ben and Charles, thank you both for your time. It's been great talking to you both. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And Jemima, great talking to you as well. Thank you for representing year nine there. Thank you. And Claire, it's great talking to you. It's great, really good to find out more about this trip and just pulling it all together. So thank you for your time. You're welcome. So that was Claire Tan, joined by Charles, Jemima and Ben. Didn't they do well? It's not easy speaking on a podcast, especially if you're a pupil, but I think they all did great. And Claire, you did great too, of course. <laughs> now, a big thank you to all four of you for joining us on this episode. And our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.